and welcome back to That's What People Do. I believe last week was our 52nd episode, as it was our birthday. It was. So this means this week is episode 53, and as promised, we are starting with a bang with Adolf Hitler. As always, I'm joined by Ryan McGowan. How are you today, Ryan? Very good. I'm very good. Thank you very much. How are you? I'm wonderful. Wonderfully bored, but that's life at the minute, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, man. I feel you. Everyone's getting bored. Everyone, loads of people are starting to go back to work now. Um, and so, and it, it seems to be a mixed bag when, when you ask other people. Like I've been working throughout the whole of this pandemic, right? So a lot, not a lot's really changed for me. But I've been speaking to quite a few people who have now gone back to work. And I say, some of the people have been like, oh, I'm fed up already. And some of them are like, oh, God, yeah, I'm so glad to be back. And then there's some people who like, you know, it, it's gone completely fucking bad. And there are some people that are still on furlough. And they're like, yeah, I'm basically just wanting to hear if I have a job or not. So, yeah, it's a mixed yeah, bag. Yeah, there's loads of different groups of people, in there? Like, yeah. you've got the people that don't want to be at work, the people that are at work, and the people that want to be at work but have lost their jobs. That's it, yeah. Um, but it's nice to know that we can all get, what, £5 off a £10 order at Nando's, courtesy yeah, of the Chancellor. That's what helps me sleep at night. Yeah, I can't wait to go get my £5 off my Nando's. I might do that tonight, actually. Oh, wait. No, never mind. I thought it was August. Damn um yeah well it's also nice to see that our chancellor has launched his leadership campaign for the conservative party without the conservative leader currently even considering stepping down so that's nice to see yeah a lot of infighting to come look forward to that Mm. so yeah that's yeah well speaking of political machinations i suppose is an excellent segue onto our episode it is yeah i feel like doing adolf hitler has always been in the back of our minds yeah. But we've kind of been putting it off and off and off. Yeah. But we did Churchill and then we did a nice episode about a man with a guitar. <laughs> yes, and now we we'll did. do the flip side to Churchill. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like we've it, arguably uh, you could say, oh, it's the opposite side of the same coin or something like was it? Is that the, that's the phrase, isn't it? Two sides of the same coin. Yeah. Churchill and Hitler are almost like they just come as a package, don't they? Yeah. Mortal enemies locked in combat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, what do we know about Adolf Hitler? Well, let's begin. Adolf Hitler was born on April 20th, 420, 1889, in Brunau, Austria. He was born to Alwar and Clara Hitler, and he had five siblings, but only one of them lived past childhood. So, he had uh, a brother called Gustav, who died at the age of two in 1887. Ida died at the age of two in 1888. Otto died within a year of birth in 1887. Edmund died at the age of six in 1900. And his sister Paul was born in 1896 and lived until 1960. Wow. So she is the only one that lived past the age of six as well as Hitler. I believe um, his dad also went on to have other children with another family as well. And there, there's like a separate branch of Hitlers in the world. Well, obviously, uh, most of them. His all... dad was not a nice man, to be fair. No, so, yeah. but yeah, but there's like a separate branch of Hitlers who, f- for the most part, I think, all changed their names since the war. But um, as you would. But yeah, th- th- there is a line uh, that does still exist today somewhere out there. Of of. I mean, of his Hitlers. sister um, had children, which we'll, <laughs> which we'll get onto. But yeah, his sister had. Um, oh yeah. Kids, so yeah, I imagine so. <laughs> I, I imagine we are going to get onto um, Hitler's weird fascination with his niece. Yeah, it, it, it all gets a bit strange. It's a bit, it's a bit Gandhi, but yeah, a bit weird. Mm. 
So Hitler, still a little boy, uh, his father Alwa was an aggressive, violent man. He would often take his frustrations out on his children. And this created a very negative relationship between himself and young Hitler. Mm. His mother, on the other hand, was the opposite. Hitler was a mummy's boy. Alwa was a customs official and therefore had to move around a fair bit. So Hitler attended two schools before the age of nine. And his teachers were always praising him with his good behavior in class. And he received really good marks. Yeah. So he was a top, top student. However, when he reached the age of nine, his family settled in the Austrian city of Linz, which Hitler referred to as his home and wished to be buried there. And he was a really popular boy and was always seen as the leader of his group of friends. Do you think that's, do you know, that might have something to do with him being a bit like, a bit soft, like a bit of a mummy's boy, um... I, I, I don't know, I'm just spitballing here, but like, yeah, maybe, because he, he's, he's known throughout history, like for the rest of his life, being quite a charismatic, like, person who people just want to follow. Like, he's a good speaker. Mm. He's he's able to, in some ways, um, understand people and what works best for them. Maybe, like, that comes from, like, this mothering, nurture, nurturing side that you get from his mother. So he's able to like hone that mm. maybe. I don't know, even as a young kid. I don't know. Yeah, and he definitely had daddy issues as well. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he definitely well. had daddy issues. Don't we all? Yeah, I think he had, he had issues with authority figures. Yeah, that, I think that's fair to say, which is why he's like, I will become the authority figure. Yeah, he, he wants to be the alpha. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In a, it's almost like in a way of being like, I, I will be better than my father by becoming him. <laughs> Yeah, it is, it is is weird. It's again, it's another person who got fucked up that had a really bad relationship with their parents. It's just or parents in this case. Well, in in a weird way, like you know, there's the old um, thing like they say, oh, if you could go back in time, uh, and there's this baby, and it's Hitler, and it's like, would you kill the baby? It's like no, because the baby has potential, and that's I think. You, you you just you take it and raise it differently exactly and i think that's the main point like we spoke about um, manson as well like is is manson evil probably not is manson's upbringing what created this evil creature i would argue probably yes that's probably more so yeah, what happened his mom literally sold him for some beer. exactly right so all children have potential like, they are sponges and and what you put into the sponge is what they will secrete, you know? Um, Hitler, little child Hitler has potential. He's charismatic, he's fun-loving, he's, he's doing well at school. As we know, he's got an artistic flair. You know, channeled in the right way, he could have become, you know, a very artistic person, gone a different, completely different way. Absolutely. And yet he's so abusive father. Unfortunately, yeah. So once he finished with primary school, his father enrolled him in real Schule. We're going to knock out some German in this episode. Which focused more on matters such as science and technology uh, rather than a traditional curriculum. He didn't enjoy his time there and he made this known throughout his life. Although he was. German thing. Yeah, absolutely. You will be efficient in the most efficient way possible. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, yeah. We will learn the sciences and we will understand the world as it's supposed to be. Yeah. None of this dreaming nonsense. So the stellar marks he knew when he was younger, um, they kind of went down the pan. He ended up having to repeat a semester at this new school. His grades were dropping and he bounced back and forth between poor and average for the remainder of his days at this school. Man, that's that. 
it's so easy. You know, like they say, hindsight's twenty twenty. It's so easy to spot that now and be like, he needs to be in a different. He needs to be learning in a different way. Yeah, absolutely. They ch- so, they drastically changed it and it fucked him up. A hundred percent. Like I, I, I'm one of the first to say I'm not very academically gifted, right? At all. I struggle with uh, words and you know the the type of learning that we even today still have. But what I learned was that I'm what's called a kinesthetic learner. So I learn by being practical, like actually getting hands on and being shown something and being able to do it myself rather than reading a textbook and then being asked to write a bloody long old essay and analyse stuff. I'm yeah. not very good at that. And it seems that, you know, it almost when little Hitler, <laughs> little Hitler, man, when little Hitler is, you know, uh, being a child and exploring the world as maybe a child would, he seems to be flourishing that. Is a, he's an artistic person and then as soon as it's like no it's going to be more like you know written uh analyzing scientific based all that sort of stuff he struggles so i think like there's such a combination of factors man it's like a butterfly effect or even domino effect it's like yeah definitely. one thing after another and you start to pick away these little things and you go oh my god like you could see this person almost being created so at the age of 14 hitler's father passed away which probably great news for Hitler, and uh, <laughs> and then two more years went past, and then he left school at the age of sixteen. Uh, he opted against going into higher education because he just wanted to be out of the education system. On I December twenty first, nineteen oh seven, his beloved mother passed away from breast cancer, leaving him oh, in the man. world parentless. And this one really knocked him for six a little bit. He really struggled with this one. Yeah, because he uh, he loved his mother. Uh, yeah, yeah. As you alluded to earlier, he was a very keen artist. Uh, and even if you look up some of his pieces now, he was fucking good. Like, he was really, really good. Yes, I mean, he was... He was uh, art is so subjective, man. Someone looks at art and they go, that is dog shit. And then someone else will pay £10 million for it. Yeah, for sure. Like, I don't there, understand it. There are it. rules now about Hitler's artwork. Um, during his downfall, they tried to destroy as much as possible. Uh, really? And there was a black market obviously opened up for them, and Germany have said you are allowed to sell them as long as there's no Nazi propaganda on there. Oh, okay. And then, like, so I imagine so as well. It doesn't profit any sort of right wing groups. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. There's, there's still quite a few in circulation. It's genuinely not bad art. I couldn't do it. No, he's, he's gifted, really gifted. And so for that reason, it's, be- to... it's good. Yeah, absolutely. He moved to Vienna with the intention of making art his full-time profession. He tried twice and failed twice to get into the oh. Academy of Fine Arts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like I just, just have a parallels of so many people in London living their dream. Yeah, moving living to in a big city to try living and make in a, it. Yeah, living in a one-bed flat, which is shared, and it's seven hundred pound a month. He was genuinely um, an out-of-work artist. Yeah. <laughs> Although, wasn't he, I believe he was getting um, some form of benefit. That was the only thing that was sort of keeping him afloat. He got, um, I think it was like orphan benefit or something like that because his parents had died yeah, and he was on his own. Had, um, obviously, the inheritance. That's it, inheritance benefits. He was living off that, inheritance checks. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine that, he's just living off super noodle. Genuinely, he was, he was just a student or well, living the student lifestyle. Yeah, yeah weird to like, think. Must have gone to bars and stuff, and just like hung out and like we always we've got this image of Hitler, like we have with Churchill. Like we've got this image of Churchill, but like imagine them when they're just milling about, just being a 
you know, a, a 20 year old just milling around. I don't know. Yeah, like, what do we, what work, do young people do? Just not really doing much. They're looking for work. Absolutely. So years later in his autobiography, autobiographical manifesto Mein Kampf, Hitler claimed that this rejection struck him as a bolt of the blue, a bolt from the blue, because he'd been so convinced that he would get in. So that was his first little setback of his life. The board deemed his sketching skills unsatisfactory. Now, I want to address the rumour that you might have heard, you might not have heard, that he was jealous because Jewish artists were accepted into the school instead of him. This is like a rumour that I heard when I was younger. Um, It's generally classed as nonsense. Uh, right. After he failed to get into the school, he became interested in politics. And in Mein Kampf, he states that this is where he like started to gain his anti-Semitic views. But loads yeah. of historians doubt that and say that that's oversimplified. They believe he created this story in hindsight in order to support his claims against the Jewish population. Yeah, because I'm sure there's stories as well of like Hitler um, having never, ever before in his life expressed any sort of anti-Semitic views at all. He was never bothered. He was curious, no. I, I believe, um, curious about it and thought it was a bit strange, um, as in like the um, ultra-Orthodox um, branch uh, of the religion. But in general, um, it, 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 there, I don't think there seems to be much on the way of him just, I've always hated them. Like, <laughs> no, you haven't. He, what he claims and what is probably true are two very different things. Oh, yeah. But he, he's, what he's trying to do is uh, invent a persona, a character that people will follow. Hundred percent. So yeah, it's it's easy, it's easy to suggest that quite a lot of it is just over exaggerating. Mm, and to support it, whilst he was in Vienna, one of the most loyal buyers of his paintings was Jewish, a man called Samuel Morgenstern. Brilliant. And like a lot of this money allowed him to feed himself and pay, pay rent and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So Hitler bounced around for a while, moving between very cheap rented accommodation and even for a time a homeless shelter. Uh, and then in 1913, he decided to make the big move to Mun- uh, Munich, uh, where he continued selling his artwork. And he would draw cities' landmarks and he would uh, draw like shops and beer gardens. Yeah, Just didn't he used to do like postcards? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'd like sell postcards on the street to like kind just of a tourists. Man. Yeah, 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 yeah. Though he eventually found several well-off customers who commissioned works from him, uh, his progress came to a grinding halt in January 1914 when the Munich police tracked him down because of his failure to register for the military draft back in Linz. He's a draft dodger. Oh, Just like, like another politician that we know. President of a uh, certain United States. Yeah. So Hiller went and then he failed his military fitness exam and was declared by the examiners unsuitable for combat and support duty. He's too weak and incapable of firing weapons. Worth it. More denial. More rejection. Yeah. He was he should a proper, have done Like, he's feeble as fuck. He should have done what Nikola Tesla done. Do you remember Nikola Tesla just fucked off to the, to the mountains to avoid the draft? I mean, yeah, he, he should have, but... <laughs> he just then... fucked off to the mountains and lived as, like, a little bit of a mountaineer for a while and then came back down after, like, a year or two. But then, however, as we uh, found out in Churchill's episode, he'd done a lot more by this point. Hitler was just an out-of-work artist. World War One broke out. Of course, yeah. I don't know why that didn't strike me at all. I was, like, 1913, and I was just like, hmm, yeah, 1913. <laughs> Something big's about to happen. I'd completely forgotten about that, and I think we mentioned yeah. it 
like every other episode. They're like, World War One happened. It's such a big fucking pivotal point it does in history. A lot of people's lives. Totally, yeah. He petition he petitioned Bavarian King Louis the Third <laughs> to be allowed to serve. And really? one day after submitting that request, he was notified that he would be permitted to join the 16th Bavarian Reserve Infantry Regiment. Hold the fuck up! How was he able to? How was he able to like <laughs> speak to a king? I think it's literally he sent a letter, someone just saw it, not the king, and they were like, yeah, fuck it, we need the soldiers. <laughs> Man, that's weird. That's such a, like a random thing. You're just like, yeah, he, he just wrote a letter to a king, and then the king said, yeah, you can join the army if you want. Yeah, I, I doubt it ever got to the king. No, yeah, just some pen pusher. So after eight weeks of training, Hitler was deployed to Belgium and took uh, part in the first Battle of Ypres, which mm. is spelt Y-P-R-E-S. Uh, the British soldiers refer to it as wipers. Yeah. It's a fucking bastard of a word to say. I think it's just pronounced eep. Yeah, eep, eepra. It depends what language you say it in. Oh, yeah, yeah, because if you're like... like in, um, in uh, Dutch or Belgian, I think it's um leper. Oh, really? Yeah, it, it, it changes. But yeah, the British soldiers refer to it as wipers because in fairness, that is how it's spelled. Because you get some Belgians speak French, some speak Dutch, and then there's another one in between. It's like Flemish, isn't it? Yeah, Flemish. It's it's a it's a mess around there. Yeah. So this battle sustained 250,000 casualties. Damn. The statistics from Hitler's division are staggering. Hitler's regiment entered the battle with 3,600 men and ended the battle with 611. Whoa. His own company was reduced from 250 men to 42. Fucking hell, man. Hitler could have so easily died that day and didn't. Thing is, <clears throat> Hitler like had this idea in his head that um he was almost invincible. Like he was lucky. That the only... I mean, if I survived that amount of death, I'd be like, fucking hell, someone's looking out for me as well. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, that's so crazy. Right, so he was infantry at this point. Yeah, he was just a normal soldier. Yeah. Man, that's crazy. He was then reassigned, however, to become a, med- a regimental message runner because phones and stuff were only just starting to come around. Yeah, so they a had runner, to wasn't hand it? deliver messages. Yeah, yeah. And the, like, yeah, if you yeah, ever yeah, seen like 1917, bicycle. not like 1917 is literally about being a message runner. Mm. Yeah, I think he had a bicycle or something at some point. That's a brave Probably. fucking job, man. Yeah, just running between lines to deliver stuff. Like, don't get me wrong. And don't get me wrong. Like it, it. It, it just being there in general and like just accepting that that is your life is brave like to just be there and oh, for sure. live it but like <clears throat> to like sit in your trench and just acknowledge like yep i'm here now you could, i suppose it it wouldn't take very long for you to um, just be like yeah this is my new normal i just live here kind of thing but for like for, for adolf hitler he's been said like being told to like right, you're gonna come out of this area and you're gonna run off to like that area and go provide this message and then sort of come back or something like that. Like, that's scary dangerous. Like, because you're not just hidden in your trench, just accepting that you're there. You're coming out and you're running across yeah, all sorts of places around. with, like, artillery being dropped left, right and centre. Yeah, man. That's, mm. that's, he was, that's it was balls. a very, very brave job and he was recognised for it because he was twice decorated for bravery. Oh, really? He received the relatively common Iron Cross Standard Class in 1914. Oh, right. And the Iron Cross First Class in 1918. Uh, and that's an honour rarely given to someone of his station. Interesting. Uh, for this award, Hitler was recommended by Lieutenant Hugo Gutmann, who was a Jewish man. Shall I throw that fact in there? Brilliant. 
Hitler's medal was awarded after an attack in open warfare during which messages were indispensable and on a day which the regiment lost 60 men and 211 were wounded. Wow. Uh, and now, I don't know if you've heard about this story, but there is a story that the most decorated private soldier of World War One, Henry Tandy, allegedly had the chance to shoot Hitler and didn't. Uh, what? Yeah, so I was told this story when I was really young, and I've always believed it. A uh, uh, Tommy? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The most decorated private soldier was a man called Henry Tandy, and the story goes that he had Hitler in his sights and opted not to shoot. Huh. How d- how's, However... How does he know? Exactly. The reports claim that Hitler told this story to Chamberlain in 1930 during negotiations. Realistically, this story is fucking bullshit. Yeah. Um, the chances of this occurring are extremely sm- small, and it's much more likely that Hitler used this and the most decorated British soldier as his own propaganda and mind games. Yeah, that would make a lot of sense. Yeah, that because how would that one lad, years later, just be like, oh yeah, I remember him? Because I'm not being funny, like... If 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 you guys listening, if you've never seen it for whatever reason, I'm not sure. Quickly have a Google of what Hitler looked like in World War One. Big fucking thick really moustache. Yeah, completely different. Skinny as a rake. He was young, and then look at him when like he's at his most arguably infamous. Um, completely two different people. Like you, it's very hard to recognise the the younger being the older as well. I, yeah, yeah, that does sound like it would be a load of shit. Yeah, Hitler made it up, 100%. 100%. So, during the war, Hitler was injured twice, one of which was a gas attack which saw him temporarily blinded. Hitler was hospitalised in Pomerania in Prussia. Mm. While he was there, he learned of Germany's defeat. Hitler, however, believed that the war was lost due to enemy propaganda and his own politicians, and was not lost on the battlefield. Yeah, I remember there's um, there's a... I forget what his name is, it really sucks, I forget there's this historian um, who has done like loads of fucking biographies on Hitler. Uh, he was saying how, like, in the trenches, um, he he was the kind of guy that if he ever really heard people complaining or being like, "Oh, we've lost the war," or da da da, da he was the guy that'd have a go at them and be like, "How dare you? How dare you? Be- how dare you betray your own country and think like this, think like that." Have a bit more fucking backbone, blah blah blah. He was that guy. He mm. so firmly believed that they would they would win and wanted them to win and the idea of when he was in the hospital unable to do anything about it then he finds out mm, he refused to believe yeah yeah he just couldn't fucking cope with the idea that 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 could happen and it was like well it couldn't have been us it could not have been us it has to be someone else's fault yeah for sure which he retained for his entire life uh he remained in the german army after world war one um, seething with anger at Germany's defeat. Mm. Uh, he got a new job. His job was to visit different political organisations and check out whether they were right-wing, centre, left. So basically, the government wanted to know who were the socialists, who were the communists, who were the Marxists, etc., etc., etc. Yeah, because communism was like a brand new thing then. Like, thing. It was, it was, it was yeah. scary at the time. Like, we mentioned it in Churchill's episodes where like people were genuinely a bit scared of what could happen about that because... Uh, an entire dynasty in Russia had just been wiped out. Mm. Uh, all the Romanov family had just been murdered by this Soviet extreme left-wing group, and they've just taken over now. Yeah. Uh, so, so the German 
government were obviously a bit uneasy. Well, yeah, of course, because they're not too far off their borders either. No, especially since they've just lost a war as well, and it's very easy to rise up, as we find out. Mm. So he also worked within the education department of the army, and his task uh, was to lecture returning soldiers on the dangers of communism, socialism, and pacifism. Senior officers were really impressed with how Hitler was a public speaker. Um, it was really? at this time that uh, a corporal who was a loner, no, the corporal, sorry, Hitler, discovered his greatest talent was public speaking. So the gas mm. attack that Hitler had suffered had actually affected his vocal cords and he could now speak in a manner that not many people could. How, how, how so? It kind of gave his voice hypn- uh, hypnot- hip- hypnotic qualities. You know when you hear him speak and it's just really gruff and just... I don't know, like, he's he's shouting, but he's not, and you just kind of want to listen because this man's just really passionate. Yeah, I think as well, like, some people used it, to take the piss out of his voice, saying he sounded a bit, um, uh, a bit farmery. Yeah, I suppose I could hear that, but there's a, there's a, there's a recording of him speaking normally, one of the only ever recordings, and he sounds so different when he's yeah, speaking normally yeah, to when he's doing yeah, speech. Yeah, it, it's definitely like, you know, when someone has a phone voice, and they just put it on, and yeah, you, yeah. you hear it for the first time, you go, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> it's like that. You hear him talking normally, and I think yeah. there's only one recording of him talking normally, like having a normal conversation. Yeah, he's he's on a train speaking to some. Yeah, it's uncanny. Possibly. I think you mentioned it's it, uncanny didn't how you? different he sounds. Um, but yeah, a lot of that is all training, isn't it? Like he 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 trains himself to speak better. Oh yeah, highly uh, rehearsed. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Oh, I remember. Sorry, to, firmly. To, there's um there was one documentary I watched, and there was the because obviously. Um, uh, obviously later on uh, as Hitler and the, and the Nazi party have a firm control over uh, the country th- that's like not all Germans were Nazis right and in this documentary it says um, it's got a couple of like uh, Germans who grew up or were children during this era and they were saying how they're like we heard this bloke on the radio and we thought it was fucking weird like why is he shouting so much? Why is he so angry? And they just didn't like him. Some of them were like, we didn't get it. I didn't like him. I just didn't understand it, <laughs> which I find funny because like for a lot of people, they're angry. They're upset. This is a time where you've got um, mass unemployment. Loads of people are fucking struggling for money. Uh, you've got, I think, coming up soon, you've got hyperinflation where we've got like even down to like a billion Reichmark um, notes you know, people upset and scared, and then out comes this really angry bloke who, for a lot of people, some he's, he's sort of speaking their language and representing them. But for some of them, they're like, "I don't. What? Why? What? Why you talk like this? Why? Why are you like this?" Mm. Yeah, he certainly pandered to a specific class yeah, of people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you get when you get um, like a power vacuum or you know something like that, it allows for scary people to come in. Mm, absolutely, because he firmly believed and made it well known in his speeches to soldiers that politicians had lost in the Great War and in particular blamed the Jews. He was spreading his views to small groups of people and he realised he needed to reach a broader or- audience. So during a work visit, he visited uh, a meeting of the German Workers' Party. The party uh, name indicated that it had socialist leanings with its workers' tag, but was, in fact, extreme anti-Semitic, anti-communist, right-wing mm. party, led by a man called Karl Drexler. Uh, at Hitler's visit, it had only 40 members. Hitler informed the army that it posed no threat to Germany, despite it pr- proving uh, quite a high it's, threat it's, to Germany. He's still working his job, being having to like this 
distinguish what's maybe good, bad, yeah, dangerous, yeah, yeah, all that sort of stuff. I, what I find interesting and funny was like, like you were just saying, there was only like 40 odd members, but I think, I can't remember what it was, but Hitler's membership number for the, the National Socialist Party was 555. Oh, you've got it right. 555. And they, they made it up to make it sound like they had more people than there actually were. They, they started the numbers at 501. <laughs> That's so funny, man. That's so easily yeah. done. So Hitler was the 55th That's so funny. member. Like, we're, I remember, um, when I was finishing my university degree and we had to do a showcase sort of put on your own show kind of thing. And I did a one man show. Um, and, um, oh, what was it? What was it? I can't remember now. I was doing one man show and I had loads of dates put on there. Like obviously come and see my show kind of thing. And I think I wrote one of them, which was a fake show. And I wrote, put it on the billboard as like sold out to try and drum up a bit more support. <laughs> it's like that. <laughs> it's the same thing. It's like, Clever. I got all these people coming to fucking watch my show. It's like, yeah, we got all these people in our group. Come join us. It's the same fucking <laughs> thing, man. Not that many people turned up. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, that's a low form of propaganda. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, he, they're just better at it than I was, it seems. Yeah. So after this visit, Hitler joined the party uh, because it represented a lot that he believed mm. in. According to Hitler, he got into an argument with a man called Professor Baumann and defeated him with his words. And the party was so impressed with his linguistic skills and passion, they asked him to join. Oh, really? Which, again, it might just it might just be another, oh, I'm Adolf, listen to how it great I am. It does sound a bit, story. you know, up his own ass there. I was so brilliant. Yeah, he's constantly sucking his yeah, own dick. Yeah, yeah, I was that brilliant that they asked me to join. I didn't join them, they asked me to join. Yeah, I, I, I'm calling bullshit yeah. here. <laughs> yeah absolutely also um <clears throat> i think um why i don't understand why the jews or was it that the the party itself just sort of was going along with it so he went along with it i don't understand and I, I, I believe um that i i don't know how much this is true um but i heard a rumor or so that it was something to do with like during the great depression uh, and, and hyperinflation era um, in Germany with so many people like suffering and whatnot that there were like there were types of families like you know some non-religious some religious blah, 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 who were doing better or profiteered from the war and like some of them yeah, being yeah. Jewish I suppose it's easier to um, distinguish them at that time so it's yeah, an easy we, we, target we do touch on that in oh, a little okay, bit okay. yeah he, he, he yeah at the minute I think he blames Jewish propaganda and stuff for Germany losing the war. Mm. I don't know why he pinned it on the Jews, but he did. Seems um, to be a thing for history yeah, as he, well. He, like I don't know why that that's a thing. Yeah, he 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 blames the economic downfall on them as well. It's really weird. Mm. So he would often give speeches inside beer halls, and word of this spread fast. The crowds grew larger and larger, and wanted to hear him speak. So the German people were angry. Their country had been defeated in the war, and their economy was absolutely tanking. More and more people were becoming homeless and they were desperate for some sort of leader and a voice to lead them into a better future for their country. Hitler soon became the party's propaganda officer, which he said was the way to bring nationalism to the public. The small number of party members were quickly won over to Hitler's political beliefs. He organised their biggest meeting yet of 2,000 people for 24th of February 1920 in the... Oh, Christ. Okay, this is not going to go well. 
Startlich's Hofbrauhaus in München. So basically, it's a, a, a Munich beer hall. Mm-hmm. Further, in an attempt to make the party more broadly appealing to larger segments of the population, the DAP was renamed to the National Socialist German Workers' Party, or in German, Deutsche Nationalsozialistische Arbeiter Party. But from here on out, we're just going to refer to them as Nazi. Yeah, yeah. catchy name. Yeah, catchy name. Yeah, Nazi is a lot. Is, I can fully see why they abbreviated it. Yeah, yeah, 100%. But yeah, it, it, it so does appeal to the, the working man. That was the point, wasn't it? It was to, it was a, to appeal to the, the working man, those who had served. You guys, you're the ones that are downtrodden. You guys are the ones that have been betrayed here and we support you. We're, we represent you. He was fully aware that if he kept people angry, he could keep them listening. Yes, yes. It's, it's a very powerful um, emotion, isn't it? As Yoda would say, um, <laughs> was it fear? Fear leads to oh, I forget what it is now. What's the quote he says to Anakin when he's talking about his dreams in Episode Three? I wish I could help you, but Star Wars is not my God thing. damn. And he's like, ah, anger leads to hate, and then hate leads to suffering. I'm sure the listeners are right now just being like, oh, it's fucking this, fuck's sake. <laughs> Probably. So Hitler wrote out the party's beliefs in the so-called 25-point party program. Uh, it was a really weird mixture. It had right-wing nationalism, anti-capitalism, anti-socialism, anti-wealth. It, it basically stood for nothing. It was just against everything. Yeah, it sounds uh, like it's just a sort of hitting hitting points that like someone might get yeah for sure he was like you hate this we hate it too (laughs) yeah (laughs) um usually in normal political circumstances this would have been absolutely laughed at Mm. but obviously germany was not in normal circumstances because a lot of this pamphlet and uh, program which he created um was aimed at the treaty of versailles which he openly stated he would ignore. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Treaty of Versailles in itself is... I mean... The, so, to summarise the Treaty of Versailles really briefly, is basically the uh, League of Nations putting a lot of sanctions on Germany, being like, you can't have a military, mm. you can't grow your economy to certain amounts. It's basically to stop them from... Starting ever doing World War One ever yeah. again. Yeah, and, and, and they, they, they put the blame of the First World War solely at the feet of the German nation. Um, Absolutely, and it crippled them. The Treaty of Versailles crippled them. Yeah, I think it was a bit unfair. So they lost quite a bit of land as well. Um, The Rhineland, in particular, I think it was. Yeah, the Rhineland went to France. Yeah, that's right. And then, um, but but the Germans were allowed to work in it. And then I think as part of reparations payments, which again they were never able to afford and pay back, because they were a nation crumbled from war, as as were a lot of nations. But then you had America. I think we mentioned this in Churchill's episode. America were pumping money into Germany that would then pay back the Allies, like Britain, who would then pay back the Americans. Mm, and it, massive circle. a massive circle of money, which just just, just fucking didn't help. And then I believe um, yeah. part of the reparations was for Germany to pay to France a set amount, like a target. I think it was like telegraph poles or something like that, um, to help with infrastructure in in France to to rebuild and whatnot. And they were unable to pay that. And I think they even called out to the British government or something and said, look, we're not able to, we can't meet these demands. It can't be done. Uh, And no one did anything about it. And then France decided to wander into the Rhineland and take it over by, I think. And then I think, and then it was like people refused to work. They went on strike Germans and were like, we can't do it. And then that caused like fucking mass employment. And then again, loads of money went and it was just, 
oh, honestly, just a butterfly effect. Just things, just one thing happened after another. Yeah, and Hitler massively played on this. Just played on everyone's anger and fear. In a 1920 leaflet, the Nazi party blamed 300 bankers and financiers throughout the world for dictating the policy of the world and holding the world to ransom. He made it very clear that the bankers and financiers were Jewish people, as you touched on earlier. Oh, man. So he, he firmly believed that the, uh, that the World Bank was run by Jews and they were holding the world to ransom and they were the ones crippling Germany's economy. It's just a scapegoat, isn't it? It it it's it needed a, he needed a victim. It, it's such a... It, it works today in the. Um, do you remember Theresa May's go home uh, vans that used to run around the UK? Yeah, 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 it, for sure. It's just you need you need it right. So what you're doing is you've got low, all this anger, and what you need is to channel it in a certain direction. And once you have that direction, it's easier to manage a bit more. So once you start saying, um, uh, right, we're, we're all angry, we're all upset. And then all it takes is for, you know, people to basically ask the question, why? Why are we upset? That's the point where you then have to say, it's because of them. Uh, and, it, and, and, yeah. and back then, it was easy for them to say it was the Jewish population. They're making money. They're making money out of your suffering, all this sort of shit. They caused all this to happen. Today's, in today's uh, current climate, it's the immigrants they're the ones stealing your jobs. They're the ones that are not paying taxes. That means you're having to queue up for your NHS. And it's like, yeah, is that the case though? Because I mean, they're just taking jobs that are under minimum wage and jobs that Brits wouldn't take, even if they were given to them on a silver plate. Do you know what I mean? It's mm. just, it's easy to attack that and go for it. And yeah, when people don't, when people don't call it out, it just solidifies and cements itself. Yeah. So Hitler, at this point, was aware the party needed a branding, something that people could associate with them. So he began researching symbols, and he stumbled uh, across the swastika symbol, largely used as a symbol of peace by Hindus. Yeah. He rotated it slightly and placed it on a very imposing red background, and that was then the swastika flag that we all know today. Yeah, I think it wasn't, like, the choice of it being red as well was to kind of, like, take it away from the Soviet, um, because, or and it's like red represents blood, and it's like... Represents the sacrifice yeah. of the German people. Um, it's just a very imposing yeah. color. It, you you know. I also like it. the idea that he just sort of not not that it was ever a conversation, but the idea of Hitler going to like the Hindu symbol, just being like, "Can I have this?" And they're like, "Fine, but you need you need to change it up a little bit. It, you can't just copy it word for word." And he just tilted it and went, "Damn it, yes." But if I rotate it ever so slightly, <laughs> yeah, he just inverted it on on paint. Yeah, literally the most quickish fucking Photoshop rush job. On ever. side note, there's um there's a big famous company, realtor, re- realtors, not realtors, um, retailers. Um, they sell like clothes and whatnot for females, and they've recently been selling a swastika necklace. Uh, have you not seen this at all? Why would they do that? Right, uh, let me find it because it's really a right a swastika necklace. I've got to find it for you because it's 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 absolutely baffling that they even well, someone did designed this. it and then ah Shein. Have you ever heard of Shein or Shein? Uh, no, not really. It's a it's, it's a predominantly a female um, clove based shop, 
uh, and they recently were selling a metal swastika pendant necklace, which was uh, $2.50 uh, that you could buy online. And um, uh, they, they've apologized since, uh, sort of saying, oh, we didn't mean to cause any offense. Uh, a, apparently a spokesperson had said, for the record, Xi'an was not selling a Nazi swastika pendant. The necklace is a Buddhist swastika, which has symbolized spirituality and good fortune for more than a thousand years. And it's like, I, 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 I agree with I do I kind agree. of hear it that the swastika has just become synonymous with the Nazi party, but it does have other meanings in other yeah. religions. Yeah, I agree. But it's like, it's one of those symbols that it's so easily, it's so recognizable as one thing now that it's almost impossible to differentiate it from what it used to be. Because you still see it on places um, of worship. But of obviously course you do, the, and that makes the, sense, the, the, right? The way up. Yeah, it's like, did you know, I, I literally found this out like three or four days ago. You know the um, the classic hand gesture for OK, which is... Um, yeah, apparently it's like yeah. a white supremacist thing. Yeah, apparently that is a white supremacist thing. And they've taken it out of like Call of Duty Warzone. I, think, I didn't I think know that In Warzone they have it. No, I had no idea. Um, uh, to me, it just means OK. Or if you flip it upside down, you then get to punch someone in the arm if they <laughs> look at it on your knee. Yeah. <laughs> right? That's all it is to me. I had no idea that apparently this is a white supremacist thing. Now, that's now being banned. Now, this is just obviously, this This is what we end up usually fucking doing, going off tangentially. Um, but in that sense, I would argue that maybe you probably could still use that symbol and say, no, I'm not letting them take that from us and say, oh, we're going to, you're, you're not, you're not, you're not going to have ownership of this fucking symbol. It's fucking stupid. Don't be daft. And actually, if you look into the history of it, um, it, it was to take the piss out of them. And for some reason, they've taken the bait and they do use it now. I, I tried to look into it a little bit. Mm. But in terms of like the swastika, like that went, that just blew up and it's gone way too far. And I don't think you're going to be able to take that back. It'd be like the Hitler tash. that was the Charlie Chaplin tash, isn't it? It's something that's more recognisable mm. for people. It's people more likely to um, like the, liken themselves to you because they're like, oh, it reminds me of Charlie Chaplin. I like that. You know, if you get a haircut, similar haircut to like someone famous today, um, you know, people might like you a bit better. Mm, but yeah, um, you couldn't, you couldn't, I don't suppose you could take back the um, the Hitler Tash now. Although, again, I know I'm talking a lot here. There's a, there's a comedian called Richard Herring. Have you heard of him? Nope. Seriously, look him up. Everyone else look him up as well. He's a hilariously funny comic. He recently took back the Hitler moustache and he wore it for about a year. And he does uh, a documentary slash uh, comedy show about him spending a year wearing a Hitler moustache out in public and sort of how it how it goes down in an attempt to try and take it back. I'm done Fair now. <laughs> we can carry on with the episode. Right, some little fun tangents. Yeah. In 1921, Hitler assumed command of the Nazi party. So he was completely, fully the leader. Early followers mm. included Army Captain Ernst Rom, who became the head of the SA, uh, which protected meetings and frequently attacked political opponents. This was to quickly become a way of life for the Nazis. They would raid and break mm. down other political party meetings in order to generate a greater following of their own. Silencing those who disagree with them was a true Nazi way of doing things. And may or may not have frequented Mr. Hitler's private chambers from now and then. Yeah, there is that rumour, isn't there? Yeah, there is a rumour that Mr. Ernst Rom and Mr. Hitler were closer than friends. Mm. And that's why he had him killed. Yeah, but a rumour is probably, I don't know, there's no hard evidence. It's a cool rumour. It's a cool rumour. But as well, it's like, 
when someone hates the idea of gays and homophobe, uh, uh, homosexuals so much, it's fun to then assume that they would be one yeah, themselves. In the closet, yeah, I, I, absolutely. Yeah, I quite like the it's idea of taking them. that power away from him. Yeah. So up until 1923, the Nazi party was just small and noisy. Its importance was mainly in Munich, um, and they always had a complete lack of money. In 1923, the hyperinflation crisis proved to be an opportunity too good to miss for Hitler. So basically, hyperinflation ruined the middle class. The poor had little, and they lost what little they had. The rich lost a lot, Mm. but as rich people, they could just about keep their heads above the water. The middle class did not have the cash reserves of the rich, but um, they led semi-comfortable lives. Those lives were ruined by hyperinflation, and those people then blamed the government. So Hitler planned to seize the most important city in the south, Munich, and use this as a base to launch an attack on the rest of Germany, hoping that the angered middle class and all the poor people who had lost all their money would rise up in support of him throughout the entire nation. So that was his plan. He was going to mm. he was going to take command of Germany and hope that the people supported him. So how did that go? Well, now it's time for the Beer Hall Putsch, or the Munich Putsch, yeah. two separate names. And it's not a great night out, as it sounds. So, no, on no. November 8th, 1923, Hitler and 2,000 Nazis marched through the streets of Munich to take over a meeting at a Munich Beer Hall. Hitler strode to the front of the meeting, chaired by three of the most powerful ma- men in Bavaria, and declared that he... Hitler would take charge of the cab- uh, the country and all three of these men would have seats in his cabinet. So he, he needed friends in high places. Mm-hmm. He stated that on the following day, the Nazis would then march on the war ministry and set up government there. So basically, long story short, Hitler thought if he, he had amassed enough of a following that he could start a march in Munich, claim it for his own, and that all the other working class people were going to support him and in doing so, he would overthrow the government and take control himself. That was what uh, in, he dreamt of. In theory, of. it's great. In theory, it should work as well because he's got a lot of ex um, ex military uh, as part of his backing in, in the party. It was a basically a massive a coup. Yeah, yeah, a big a big military coup, ex ex military. They're also out of work soldiers, a lot of them. However, he massively underestimated the power of the government, and he massively underestimated how many pe- how many people would give a shit as well. So mm. on the 9th of November, the Nazis started their march, only to be met by armed police. And now kind of, stories kind of vary about what happened. One story claims that the man next to Hitler was shot. Another claims as soon as the shooting started, Hitler absolutely pegged it, which is probably likely. In fact, it is likely it's what happened. And 16 Nazis died that day. Mm. So the Beer Hall Putsch was a complete and utter failure. He had such high hopes and genuinely believed that he would become the leader of Germany, but instead he fled to the nearby house of a friend, Ernst... Christ, this surname. Ernst... Hanfstangel, H-A-N-F-S-T-A-E-N-G-L. That's too many vowels. That sounds about right for you, yeah. Uh, Where he reportedly talked about committing suicide. He was so depressed by his failings, he he wanted to kill himself. Um, Mm. Something I find quite ironic, he hid in an attic for two days. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, yeah, I see where you're going with that. (laughs) Yeah, just... Um, yeah, I mean, when you were just going back a bit, and you were saying like you sort of underestimate how much people would give a shit. I think what you underestimated was 
how much people were just trying to get their fucking keep their lives together. You know, he he in terms of saying theory it works, he was like, Oh, what will happen is everyone's so pissed off and angry they'll just fucking leave their houses and come join me and we'll we'll all march together. No man, people are too busy trying to put food on the plate. Uh, exactly. you know? To get involved in trying to, trying to keep their homes and find a job and stuff like that. Like they, they weren't they weren't they weren't gonna do much. They were they were too busy trying to live and survive, mm. actually, is probably the operative word yeah, there. For sure. Be a hundred percent he ran away. Yeah, totally. Oh yeah, he away. absolutely pegged it. And he was then I think, arrested. I think, um, um, wasn't um, Goering was there because he's an ex um, fighter pilot from the First World War, hmm. um, relatively successful one as well. I think he was there. I think he got shot. I think he got shot during the the, the Munich uh, beer hall putsch. Well, I'm and not sure. I didn't find that he, potentially. I think he later on becomes um, a morphine addict because of his injury. Because he ends up like having a bit of an issue walking. And has a lot of pain, and then he becomes an addict, an absolute opioid head, and that's like for the rest. I mean, of most his life, of Nazis were, an to be fair. Oh yeah, Hitler, Hitler as well had his own like personal doctor later on in life, mm. like like Michael Jackson, but not <laughs> not, not that they're not that they're in any way comparable. <laughs> wow, <laughs> just just that they had a both they both had a medical doctor, but so did quite a lot of rich rich people, like even yeah. Elvis. Again, you can't they're not comparable. That hole's getting bigger. That hole is getting bigger. Elvis invented his own sandwich that would give you a heart attack. Just a little side note. I kind of want to try it. Yeah, I said why. We might talk about Elvis one day. I'll tell you all <laughs> about it. So Hitler was arrested on November 11th, 1923 and accused of high treason. He was tried right. on February 26th, 1924 and sentenced to five years in Langsburg prison, which seems really short for high treason. Uh, Hitler's popularity increased during the trial. His defence speeches were printed in newspapers and he ended up serving less than a year of his sentence, obtaining a pardon and early release on December 20th, 1924. And it wasn't a hard prison either. No, it was a really comfortable prison intended for inmates who were considered misguided rather than dangerous. Hitler was allowed to receive visitors as well as fan mail from admirers. Assisted by his deputy, Rudolf Hess, Hitler produced the first volume of his political autobiography, Mein Kampf, which translates to Mein Mein? My Struggle. Mm -hmm. The deaths of the 16 party members was also propaganda victory for the Nazis. The men became martyrs, remembered Mm -hmm. in the foreword of Mein Kampf and entombed in the Temples of Honor in downtown Munich. Fucking hell. Hitler held an elaborate march every year on the anniversary of the Putsch, retracing the route from the beer hall to the spot where the shots had first been fired. A flag that had been stained with blood from the putsch became a symbol of Nazi ideology. Hitler used this so-called blood flag to consecrate all new Nazi banners and flags. Wow. And, and, and obviously he's into he's into the occult as well. So yeah. this, this feeds into his... Um, uh, what's it occultist uh, views on this stuff yeah spiritual yeah it, it's all spiritual like you know it's all like oh it's the blood of the martyrs and that gives you power and he genuinely yeah. b- believes in all this shit and the, the more opioid he becomes he <laughs> starts believing it even heavier and shit like that you can even get to the point where you've got castles in the countryside that have got occultist symbols and they have to do rituals and all this sort of shit watch Hellboy man that's a fucking great film Hellboy is a good film to be fair mm. After the failure of the putsch, he and the Nazi party worked to manipulate the political system rather than plan another violent seize of power. 
So he now realised it had been premature to attempt to overthrow the democratic government by force without the support of the German army. So Hitler decided to go about it another way. And he decided he was just going to go the democratic route and just get the votes required. Which seems like a fair way of doing things. After the Beer Hall Putsch, the government of the German state of Bavaria banned the Nazi party. However, Hitler went to speak to the Prime Minister and literally promised that he'd be a good boy, wouldn't spout hatred, and would act lawfully. So the ban was lifted. And then, two days later, he went to a first big meeting of the Nazis since the putsch, reclaimed total control, did a two-hour speech to 4,000 people in which he got a little bit carried away and spouted a lot of anti-Marxist, anti-Jewish, anti-democracy stuff and was slapped with a two-year ban on public speaking. He does this so many fucking times in history. It's amazing that people fall for it all the time. This, like, I'm really sorry, guys. I'd be a good boy. Yeah, I, I promise I'll never do it again. And it's like, <laughs> it's like, oh, but he did promise. He said he'd never do it again. It's like, no, no, no. He will do it again. It's in his nature. You know, it's like my mother was right about him. And he absolutely did do it again. He just he does it to help Neville himself. Chamberlain and Joseph Stalin mm. later on. <laughs> I promise, I promise, I won't invade. <laughs> and then they're like, oh, brilliant, brilliant. Hi, everyone, everyone. I've just been seeing him. He's promised me on this piece of rice paper, like we discussed in Churchill. He promised he's wrote it on this piece of rice paper that's totally edible and really, really delicious, actually. Mm-hmm, this is really nice. He said he won't invade. Oh, fuck's sake, he's just done it. Fuck. <laughs> I promise he's I will not. everyone wrapped around his little finger. It's weird. Literally. Like, he really does. He's just so able. Like, I, I really, it's something that really should be maybe looked into more is his ability to talk his way into almost anything. He was really good with words. I think that's one thing we can say. Yeah, really he, fucking he, he good He knew words. how to get, manipulate people. Yeah, doesn't he, like, on some occasion, um, like, he's so obsessed with how he can be perceived. Like, he's so good at it. He has, like, doesn't he commission someone to take pictures of him while he does various different poses yeah, to try and sure. figure all out which ones are the ones that really strike uh, All you know, of his right speeches tone. are so heavily rehearsed that every hand movement is rehearsed. He'd do it in the mirror and yeah. just to see how it looked. It, it, it's really fascinating the amount of effort he put into it. He, he really oh, God, knew yeah. how to get into people. And, like, he would, every speech he'd start off really quiet. So mm-hmm. people would have to shut the fuck up to hear and then he'd just build and build and build and build and into yeah. the raging mess that we are probably all aware of. It's very, very clever. Hand gestures as well are so, so important. Massive you don't realise how important hand gestures actually are. Politicians it's just, it's do it now. Power. Um, yeah, the it, Boris Johnson you, one. We all know what we're on about where you put your uh, thumb on top of your index. That's it. And pull yep, forward. the thumb. That's it, the thumb. And I, I don't know if you've noticed as well, he's beginning to um, thump uh, objects that he's like leaning against. He's beginning to thump the lecterns and tables mm. that he's on. Yeah, which I find very, very. Uh, which is aggressive. what Hitler did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I believe he's Mussolini did it as well. Point in, you know. It's it's yeah. There's a lot to public speaking. It's it is fascinating. Mm. Yeah. So the Nazis divided Germany into 34 districts and assigned a leader to each of them because obviously Hitler couldn't speak in public, so he had to get other people to do it for him. Uh-huh. This was to spread the word and amass followers as quickly and efficiently as possible. Around this time, a fun-loving youth group called Hitler Youth was formed uh-huh. and was modelled heavily on groups like the Scouts. Get them while they're young. Oh, yeah. So it turns out um, a lad that I work with... Um, 
his family on his father's side are German. Um, mm. Half of them uh, didn't agree with the whole Hitler stuff and the Nazism, and they fucked off and left. And the other half were kind of into it, and they stayed. And someone in his family was part of the Hitler Youth as a kid. No way. Yeah, yeah. He's got like different name and everything now. Um, but yeah, yeah. It's really it was interesting. It was like what? No way. That's crazy. I'm literally about to talk about that Hitler. Is fascinating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fascinating, isn't it? Yeah, I like the idea. It's very um. Well, actually, I say it's 1984, but actually, he wrote it afterwards, which is mm. looking at Hitler Youth. But yeah, getting while they're young. Kids are fucking scary, man. Don't have you don't want yeah. kids to be your enemy. No, absolutely not. So that, that Hitler knew terrifying. he needed heavies. So he uh, reformed his group of stormtroopers, and they're genuinely called stormtroopers, or yeah. the uh, SA, as was mentioned earlier. So yeah, their job brown. was to... Yeah, they did. Their job and was to And it was designed by Nazi Hugo meetings. Boss. Uh, this one wasn't. Damn it, it was the SS uniform, wasn't it? The SS was designed by Hugo Boss, which is why I'm going to put it out there, the fucking Nazi officers always looked really good. Their uniforms were the m- most well-designed. But very impractical. This is why they lost in Russia. I hate to admit. Well, no, I think the reason they lost in Russia is because they didn't have the equipment. They, they, they were winning in Russia during the summer, but as soon as winter hit, yeah, they look fabulous, but they were fucking cold. Yeah, they didn't have the The Russian winter winter killed them. Yeah, I, I, I don't like to admit it so much publicly, but yes, the German officers did look rather dashing. Almost their uniforms are very cool looking. They look like villains. They, they look like. Stereotypical villains. Yeah, it's that Michelin Web look sketch, isn't it? With oh, the uh, so funny, where man. they're like, "Are we the baddies?" It's like, what do you mean? It's like, well, we've got skull and crossbones got, on our hats. We've got skulls on our heads, hands. <laughs> Are we the baddies? That's such a funny sketch, man. Because you would think you'd look at it and you'd be like, "Wait, what?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's <laughs> skulls. So the SA's job was to protect Nazi meetings, particularly from Marxists. This would often involve street brawls, as you said. They adopted a brown shirt with boots, swastika armband, badges, and a cap. So within the SA, Hitler formed his own personal bodyguard of highly disciplined men, which he would refer to as the SS. Their uniforms were jet black or grey, and they were designed by Hugo Boss. They had the lightning bolts and the skull and crossbones. Yeah. The first leader of the SS was a man called Josef Berchtold, who used to be a stationary salesman. So he's gone from selling pens to leading the SS. Yeah, there's a lot of that, isn't it? It's putting putting people who really didn't have much power into having a lot of it, and then almost them being loyal to Hitler for being given the opportunity. Mm. During this time, the 168th recruit of the SS was a man called Heinrich Himmler, won't go into detail about him because we did have an episode on him. Do, yeah. Go check that out. Uh, however, things got a bit shit for Hitler. And when I say things got shit for Hitler, I mean they got good for Germany. The country was finally growing again. <laughs> yeah. More people were in work and the economy was bouncing back. Hitler relied so heavily on people being miserable as fuck in order to keep them angry. And now they're happy, he didn't know what to do. Money was pouring in from America. President Paul von Hindenburg was widely supported. And the Nazis were just another bunch of far-right nutjobs. Hitler, however, had suspicions this could all turn sour again and decided it was the best just to put his feet up and wait for Germany to fall apart. 
which is, is basically what he did. Between 1926 and 1929, Hitler didn't really do much. He described it as the happiest time of his life. Really? The Nazis slowly grew, uh, and Hitler enjoyed the company of rich socialites who seemed drawn to him. He'd basically just go to parties and get funding. It's a bit like... In um, 19... It's a bit like UKIP or even the Brexit party. It's like it's it's almost like it's designed for a specific time and place, and then when that's not a thing anymore... What does it do? Yeah, you dissolve. Yeah, absolutely. In 1926, he adopted the title of Führer, meaning supreme leader. Really? He wasn't even in power then. Yeah. I am the supreme leader of... now, guys. (laughs) Everyone, you should call me the supreme leader of what? Of this fucking room, you twat. (laughs) 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 Okay, then. Okay, Mr. Führer. I will fucking start hand gesturing in a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, During this downtime, however, Hitler met a man called Joseph Goebbels, who would later become the head of propaganda. He's a really interesting dude who I'm fairly certain we'll do an episode of in the future. Um, To summarise him in a few words, he was highly educated, which was very rare for the Nazis. Mm. He was um, educated in literature from university. He was just a very clever man. He was only five foot. Had a club foot. Yeah, he was a he was a very weedy, small little man. Weedy, he was infatuated with Hitler as well. He didn't serve in the First World War because of his club foot, which I think he was a bit bitter mm. about. Um, and yeah, and technically, he was. I suppose you would you would call him in a way disabled in that sense, right? Mm. Um, uh, which is odd because then of of <laughs> what happens to their their regime about disabled people later on in 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 a few years to come. Um, but also has no balls, if you are to believe the old Tommy song. Hitler, he only had one ball. Yeah, the other, the other is in the Albert Hall. He's in the Albert Hall. <laughs> His mother, the dirty bugger, cut it off when he was four. I don't know where that came from. Oh, that's a different version to what I know. Yeah, I think it's just a, it might have just been added at my school. So the, the yeah. way we've got is Hitler has only got one ball. The other is in the Albert Hall. Himmler has something similar, but poor old Goebbels has no balls at all. Oh, wow, okay. We both know different versions, but either way, Hitler only has one testicle. Is that true? I, I thought that was a myth. I don't know. I, I think it is, it's a myth. I think it is it's a myth. Just, it's, I think it's just a funny story that came yeah. out of the British and Allied soldiers. He's only got one bollock. Did <laughs> <laughs> you he's only got Can't one Can't be scared bollock. of a man with only one ball. <laughs> he's only got one ball. Oh, and apparently he was partially deaf. Deaf? Yeah, in one ear. Oh, yeah, 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 probably. Might explain the shouting. They're all fucking inbred. Hitler sent Goebbels to Berlin with the task of getting the word out about the Nazis, which he did. It did involve beating up an elderly pastor, which saw the Nazis banned for a little while again, but then they were quickly unbanned. It's not funny, but it's like, why why beat up a pastor? Apparently, he looked at Goebbels funny or like challenged him or something. Go- Does Goebbels think he's Joe Pesci? <clears throat> yeah, he's basically standing there with his heavies being like, guys. <laughs> yeah. He's taking the piss out of me. I don't like yeah, it. Beat him up, please. <laughs> uh, on May 20th, national elections were held in Germany. The Nazis had a very poor showing, although Goebbels won a seat in the Reichstag, mm. so he did some good campaigning for himself. Yeah, he's the dude you want uh, in there, though. The... He's very good with words. He's, like, on Hitler's Absolutely level. Absolutely. Amazing at propaganda. For the average German, the Nazis at this time had very little appeal. 
things seemed to be just fine without them. The economy was strong, inflation was under control, people were working again. Hitler settled into a little country house in Bavaria, invited his stepsister Angela to leave Vienna and come to take over the daily chores. Angela arrived with her two daughters, Friedel and Geli. Um, let's focus on Geli for a little bit. So we're going we're gonna to summarise it a little bit now and we'll get onto it more in the next oh, okay, episode okay. because it's really fucking yeah. weird. So to summarise it really briefly, Hitler fell in love with his niece. Uh, this was allowed by law, so he didn't actually do anything wrong. However, during this time, he emotionally manipulated her, causing her to spiral into depression, which ended up her committing suicide. But we'll get into much more detail next time because it's fascinating. It genuinely is really, really interesting. Uh, and now, the moment Hitler had been waiting for. The moment the world goes to shit and he could rise up. Didn't, On October didn't, didn't. 29th, 1929, the Wall Street market crashed mm. and the Great Depression hit the world. Hitler knew this was his moment. Germany plunged into chaos and by mid-1930s it was on its knees again. And because of this, the Nazis saw their members' numbers shoot up. People were becoming desperate and would listen to anyone. Despite the overwhelming need for a financial program to help the German people, Chancellor Brüning encountered stubborn opposition to his plans. To break the stalemate, he went to Hindenburg and asked them to invoke Article 48 of the German Constitution, which gave emergency powers to the president to rule by decree. This provoked a huge outcry from the opposition, demanding withdrawal of the decree. As a measure of last resort, Brüning asked Hindenburg in July 1930 to dissolve the Reichstag according to parliamentary rules and call for new elections. Mm. It was fucking election time and Hitler knew what he had to do. And that is where we end part one. God damn, it's getting good. Hitler's about to fucking go on a mad one. Yeah, he's, he's he's seen this little gap and he's about to just jump. So, yeah, to summarise episode one, started as a abused child, became an artist, failed as an artist, went to the military, did all right in the military, joined a political group, got very angry, fell in love with his niece, <laughs> did some speeches. Yeah, did some speeches, um, uh, riled up a few people. Yeah, it, it, I find his rise to power really fascinating because it's just... He was so emotionally manipulative of in an, an entire country. It was, I don't know what the word to describe it is because it's awful, but it's, he's fucking, you, I don't want to be seen saying that Hitler was great at what he did, but what he did was bad, but he was really good at it. No, you're absolutely right. Um, he's, it, 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 it's like, it's like two, two fucking people you can compare. Like there's Hitler, the fucking most one of the most evil men in the world in history as well and then there's this man who is rising up to become that person and that person is very very smart very intelligent um does he know what he's doing um maybe not probably doesn't have a grand plan but he's very good at uh it seems uh using the moment to his advantage Mm, absolutely he's an opportunist yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. He's an opportunist. He's very good at take, taking the opportunity, grabbing the ball by his horns and just running with it. Mm, a man who rose from nothing to... I, I do wonder to like what he's 
what he's like what what's driving him that's the one thing i've never been able to understand about hitler what was driving him that whole time because you know during that quiet period why didn't he quieten down as well and just sort of just you know like you said he was living in his little country place he had his sister and his niece living around like what was it or was it that that taste of power that he had before that taste of infamy that he started to accrue that drove I think it's him. a mixture of things I think <clears throat> he has a big desire to be the alpha male and just wants that on the biggest scale possible but I also think he he is extremely patriotic and he really fucking hated the Treaty of Versailles and just wanted everything he just wanted and because he was so angry the way world war 1 ended i think he maybe he saw world war 2 as simply as a continuation and not a new thing oh no you're absolutely right i completely believe you uh, uh sorry just wrong word. i i completely uh, agree with you in that i think to him world war 2 is not world war 2 world war 2 is a continuation of world war 1 with just a fucking huge pause in between mm. it's just world cuz uh, I know we, we're going to talk about it later, but um, uh, spoilers alert, everyone. Uh, where he gets um, where he gets France to sign their uh, surrender treaty is in the exact same train car as the one that they signed the Treaty of Versailles in. Mm. It, so it, it was very symbolic. Very symbolic. The whole thing was just like. If anything, that was the that was the end of the First World War to him. That's when it ended, and not Fascinating before. Fascinating bloke. Very interesting man. So far, he's made a few howling errors, but it's not come back to bite him. But in the next episode, I think he makes a lot more errors, and it really comes back to bite him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, I don't, it's it's going to be really difficult whether it's going to be a two-pie or a three-pie. It entirely depends on the research during the next week because mm. World War Two can be a fucking topic on its own. Yeah. But I don't know. It depends what we focus on. I, th- I think if we just stick to the man himself and what he was doing at specific times, it will be a two-pie. Brilliant. All right. Uh, well, that's been fantastic, man. I have really enjoyed listening about Mr. Adolf Hitler. So, yeah, um, next week we will have part two. Um, we think we will finish part two, but we may get a part three. But James will let us know. Anyway. We'll see what happens. We will, exactly. See what happens. Um, righty-ho, then. Make sure you join us next week for that. Um, we've got to do all the admin bits, like all the homeworky stuff. So follow us yeah, on all the social medias on Instagram at That's What People Do podcast. You can find us on uh, Facebook, just type in at that's WPD. Find us on Twitter at the same handle at that's WPD. Uh, or if you want to get in contact with us at all, if you have any suggestions for someone that you'd like us to talk about in the future, drop us an email at that's what people do podcast at gmail.com. Um, oh, and uh, relatively brand new for us. Um, if you love the show and you want to help it grow, uh, you could uh, drop us a wee little donation at uh, Kofi page, which is ko fi.com forward slash that's what people do um all donations go to the podcast which will go straight back into um the work that we do and help the 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 pod grow so yeah um make sure you hit us up on all of those bits um rate review us on all of your platforms that you're listening to that really also helps the podcast grow and we would very much appreciate it and i suppose that's all i have left to say except for see you next week
See you next week. Bye-bye. Add off too. Farewell. Bye.